0: So as pediatricians, there are some things that we pay close attention to that adult providers or even parents might really not think of paying that close of attention to.
1: Of course, things like child development or, or poop. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, all of the above, yes, but that's not exactly what I was thinking about today. Use your noggin.
1: Okay, my noggin. So like head circumference and head circumference growth charts?
0: We've done that one before, but what I wanted to talk about today was head shape.
1: Head shape. Okay, I wasn't thinking you were going there, but you're right, because as kids grow and develop, their skulls grow and develop also.
0: Right, and we monitor the head shape and head size over the first two years of life um, to assess for small or large head growth, and we talked about this on our growth curves episode, but we also look for abnormal head shape, um, which is most commonly caused by positional or also known as deformational plagiocephaly.
1: So the word plagiocephaly derives from the Greek as oblique head, and that refers to the characteristic uneven head shape. So some parents may have known a baby or seen a baby that had to wear a helmet for a brief period of time when they were young. And it was likely to treat this condition.
0: Not because the baby was getting into all sorts of mischief and needed to wear a helmet. (laughs) Um, But we'll talk more about treatment later in the episode.
1: And then there are some more serious causes of abnormal or asymmetric head shape.
0: And we'll briefly touch on these more serious conditions, but spend the majority of time talking about what causes, and reviewing plagiocephaly, its characteristic features, common risk factors, and importantly, how to prevent and manage it.
1: So let's start with our favorite, our mini medical school, reviewing how the skull develops.
0: Right. So the skull is made up of two paired frontal bones, the parietal bones on the side, temporal bones, and then a single occipital bone in the back.
1: Right. And, you know, I remember in medical school learning that and thinking, I thought it was like the skull bone, right? Just like
0: one bone, one
1: bone, right? (laughs) But these bones are really separated at birth by sutures. And sutures are these fibrous tissue that allows for growth because, of course, the brain is growing. So we need the skull to grow also. And all the sutures are all named for which two bones of the skull they separate. So what they're next to.
0: So the frontal bones are separated by a midline metopic suture, the parietal bones by the sagittal suture, frontal bones by the coronal sutures, and the parietal and temporal bones are by, they're called squamous sutures. Um, and then there's lambdoid sutures that separate the parietal and occipital bones. It's a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. even I would have to look it up still besides, you know, <laughs> the, the regular ones.
1: Mm-hmm. So parents may recognize where the sutures come together as the soft spot, and that's the medical term is the anterior fontanelle. There's a posterior fontanelle, which is much smaller, but the anterior fontanelle is the one that that most people can feel, the soft spot right on the top of your infant's head. And the sutures of the skull fuse at different times. Most are completely fused by 24 months of age. And the sutures fuse, if the futures fuse too early, this can cause a more serious condition, and this is called craniosynostosis.
0: Right. So craniosynostosis causes abnormal head shape and can actually restrict the brain from normal growth and cause significant developmental issues. It would usually be corrected surgically, but it's really, really rare. It affects one in every maybe 2,000 to 2,500 births. Like I said, it's because that that suture fused before it was supposed to, and so the skull can't expand in the normal way.
1: Mm -hmm, But we still want that brain to grow, so that could be a problem. Yeah, so this can be a mimicker of plagiocephaly, but in most cases, it can be easily differentiated by your child's pediatrician. And if there is any uncertainty, they may refer to a neurosurgeon or a craniofacial team for a second opinion, or do an x-ray of the skull to see if those plates are um, fused. And this can show if the sutures are open or closed. So Dr. Lena, what signs do parents usually bring up and what clues do you look for when you're examining a, a baby with an abnormal head shape in the office?
0: So sometimes it can be quite mild. It can be flattening on just one side of the back of the head or even flattening on both sides of the back of the head. At times, it can be a little more severe and cause some facial asymmetry, so like a slight bulging of the forehead on one side or an uneven ear position. In positional plagiocephaly, and this is one of the things that we as, as pediatricians learn, is to differentiate plagiocephaly from the more severe craniosynostosis, you see flattening on one side, and on that same side... The ear is pushed slightly forward, and the the forehead is more prominent um, on that side of the flattening. You kind of think of it as like everything is <laughs> swishing forward. And that's how I remember it. Um, versus craniosynostosis, it will look a little bit different. So that's one of the ways that I, as a pediatrician, can reassure myself that it's something just like positional plagiocephaly.
1: So this can be pretty alarming for parents, but it's important to note that positional plagiocephaly is a cosmetic condition, so this does not affect brain development. How common is this, is the positional plagiocephaly?
0: It's very common. Some studies that have looked at it have estimated 20 to 40% of infants starting around seven weeks have some degree of plagiocephaly, and then the percentage decreases as the child gets older.
1: Wow, that's really high. I didn't realize it was that high. Mm hmm. Yeah. Are there risk factors for developing plagiocephaly?
0: Yeah, there are a few common reasons that an infant might develop plagiocephaly. One is if an infant has something called torticollis.
1: So torticollis stands for twisted neck.
0: Oh, yes. And so this is when one of the neck muscles is tight, causing the baby to prefer to turn to one side over the other. It may have developed frequently because of the way that they were positioned in the uterus. You know, maybe their head was cocked to the side and allowed for one of the muscles to be stronger. Um And so you can imagine that if a baby is, let's say, always preferring to turn to the right, they're going to be putting more pressure on that side of the back of their head because they're laying on their back a lot and could result in flattening on that side.
1: So it could be the baby's position in the womb, birth trauma or other factors like after being born, like spending too much time lying down in one position. So, one reason for the rise in plagiocephaly is because of the Back to Sleep campaign, which encourages parents to place their babies on their backs to sleep, and this reduces the risk of Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, or SIDS.
0: Right. That's a great point, because while the campaign was successful in reducing SIDS, it did slightly increase the number of cases of plagiocephaly. But let's be very clear that reducing the risk of SIDS is far more important than mild head shape issues that likely are going to resolve on their own over time anyways.
1: Yeah, clearly. Yeah. So the key here is not to stop putting your baby on their back to sleep. We continue to highly recommend that, but the alternative is to make sure they're getting enough tummy time. So when they're awake and supervised to have them on their tummy.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned tummy time. So maybe this is a good time to start reviewing the treatments for plagiocephaly. Supervised tummy time is an excellent way to spend time offloading the back of the head while developing the baby's motor development, right? Strengthening those neck and, and trunk muscles, for newborns, you can aim for a few minutes at a time, several times a day. Parents love to do this on their chest, and that's a great place to do it. As they get older and stronger, they could spend more time on their, on their tummies, ideally aiming for around 90 minutes per day.
1: And that doesn't all have to be at once, right? <laughs> no,
0: that no. would be a bit much.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, and what about when they're sleeping?
0: When they're sleeping, you want to continue to place them down on their back. But one thing parents may want to consider doing is switching the way that their head faces when they're in the crib. So, for example, if a baby always wants to turn to the right because that's where they look to see you in the bed next to them, you might want to flip them over so they're forced to turn left to look at you, if that makes sense.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when torticollis is contributing to plagiocephaly, there's good evidence that physical therapy can be really helpful. So physical therapy can improve neck muscle flexibility and strength, and that can also improve head shape over time. So your doctor may start with some home exercises, and we've got a link with some common ones on our website with this episode. But if that alone doesn't help, if that doesn't work, then they may refer to a trained pediatric physical therapist.
0: And then in some cases, when plagiocephaly is more severe or doesn't respond with measures like physical therapy, repositioning tummy time, a corrective helmet or band might be recommended.
1: So these helmets, they're custom-made orthotics, and they work by applying gentle pressure on certain areas of the skull, and then they relieve pressure from the flat spots to reshape the skull.
0: And they are so cute. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there anything cuter than, I mean, babies are just cute, but the babies in the little helmet. But do they actually work?
1: Yeah, so that's one of the great debates in pediatrics.
0: In one large study that was published in the British Medical Journal in 2014, so it's been a little while, did compare helmet therapy um, for infants versus no treatment at all for infants that had moderate to severe positional plagiocephaly. So, how do we know if it's moderate to severe? There's actually like tools that can measure the degree of angulation and like put it into one of these categories. And this study that looked at a lot of infants did not show any significant difference between the two groups, so the one that did wear the helmet and the one that did not, and both improved over time.
1: Yeah, but other studies have argued that with severe cases of plagiocephaly that helmet therapy led to faster and more significant improvement.
0: So helmets are generally low risk and tolerated really well by infants. They are made for the individual child, and the time that they have to wear them per day increases gradually until they're wearing it like 23 hours out of the day. Pretty much wearing it all the time except for bathing, and that's a lot.
1: The duration of helmet therapy is unique for every child, but most will wear it for several months, and then they'll be monitored every month to track their progress.
0: So what are the downsides to helmets? The most commonly are skin irritation and bad helmet odor, especially if you think about the kids wearing these like in the summer months in Sacramento when it's like 105 degrees outside.
1: And parents also report pain associated with the helmet and feeling hindered from cuddling their child.
0: Because the evidence for the benefit of helmets is mixed, some medical insurance companies will not cover them, especially for more mild cases.
1: The good news is that most infants will have an improvement in their plagiocephaly once they start sitting unsupported, crawling, and spend less time on their backs. And then they'll be less and less noticeable as their hair grows in.
0: So in the end, whether or not your infant requires treatment for plagiocephaly with a helmet will be a collaborative decision made between the family, the physician, and overall is going to be a unique decision for each family. That wraps up today's episode on positional or deformational plagiocephaly. We want to thank Dr. Serena Young, Division Chief of General Pediatrics here at UC Davis Children's Hospital, for reviewing today's episode.
1: Although Dr. Lena and I take responsibility for any errors or misinformation. As always. So let's summarize the main points
0: Abnormal head shape is really common in infants, and the vast majority of these are caused by positional plagiocephaly.
1: Your pediatrician will monitor the shape over time and ensure that there is no concern for other causes of abnormal head growth, such as craniosynostosis.
0: While plagiocephaly itself is a cosmetic procedure, there are some things that can be done to help improve the head shape, including increasing tummy time while your child is awake, physical therapy if there's a neck tightness or range of motion issue.
1: And if this is severe enough, then a helmet may be recommended, although the data is mixed on the benefits of helmet therapy.
0: The great news is this is going to improve on its own um, as your child begins to sit and roll and crawl and offload the back of their head more.
1: And that reminds me of a head joke.
0: Yeah, let's hear it.
1: Okay. Why did the husband put lipstick on his head? Because his wife told him to make up his mind.
0: (laughs) That's a silly one.
1: That is silly. Um, You know, when we were talking about this, it reminded me of a colleague of yours. I I don't want to do like a HIPAA violation, but a colleague of yours who had twins Mm -hmm. and posted to social media really adorable pictures (laughs) of her (laughs) twins with helmets.
0: Yes, and totally. And they were,
1: you know, we were talking about how it interferes, but the way the way she posted on social media, these kids yeah, just looked like adorable, were, adorable yeah, in their helmets. And,
0: and really, like, I don't think it interferes. And, and kids are so amazing. Like, you think about having to wear a helmet for 23 hours a day? I'm just like, I could not do that. But, but they just are so accommodating and they're just like well I guess this is part of me now this helmet and I will say that she did struggle a lot with odor rashes under the helmet and so I think especially in summer I always really weigh like the severity the parents concern you know I have to admit that I am not a helmet pusher in my (laughs) own practice because I don't know it's it's one of those things that's so mixed. I like to weigh like it provide the parents with the information and and let them come to the decision on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're so cute now; like they can make them custom for them with like a baseball or like their <laughs> name on it. And yes, she her her daughter was adorable, and I do think it did help her her daughter a little bit with her plagiocephaly.
1: That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered.
0: You can find more information on our website kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu.
1: Follow us on Twitter at KidsConsidered
0: And Instagram at KidsConsidered.
1: If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you.
0: Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388.
1: Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com.
0: Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts.
1: Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast.
0: Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.